Good morning. Well, stand up. You know the drill. Hold your iPhones, your iPads, iPods, iBible, my Bible. Y'all are slow today, man. Right up, 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 up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to uh, Isaiah chapter 32, and we're going to finish this uh, sermon series on peace on earth one way or the other. Um, last week we did a little different thing, and this week we're going to... We're going to do something yet a little, little different, and uh, but I want to take a moment as Pastor Mark was talking about uh, servant leaders and being added to the list of servant leaders. One of the questions that I get asked is, "Do I have to wear a T-shirt?" Mostly from women, uh, you know, because you guys want to dress up a little bit better. So the answer is, you know, you don't, you don't have to wear a T-shirt. So those of you who ask that question can sign up today, and. Uh, Hint, hint. But we want you to know that. We just want you to be able to serve and be a part of what we're doing. And then someday, maybe you'll want to wear the shirt. We don't know. Maybe not. You notice I don't wear one to preach. But I took my awkward family uh, photo by myself today. I just thought you guys would like this. It's my, my Johnny Cash outfit today. I hear that trainer coming. Coming around the bend. I ain't seen the sunshine since. Well, I don't know when. Stuck in Folsom Prison, time keeps dragging on. Anyway, so there you go. That's it. Should have had my Red Bull before that. I think I'll leave that one to Garth. All right. Well, we're going to talk about peace on earth, and I just blew your peace. Get ready to blow mine. All right. It's a tribute to Browning Waters. And so it's his real name. It's his hat. All right. So we're talking about peace on earth, and... How many of you know this time of year with the mall shopping and all that going on, there is no peace, man. I'm spending money. I mean, people are crazy. It's like stupid on steroids. You know, if they were dumb, they're like dumb twice now. It's just a time of year where everything gets crazy. And if we're not careful, we'll lose any peace that we have. But better yet, we don't really lose it. We forfeit it. In other words, we give up our peace. Because nobody can take your peace from you. How many of you know that? They can't reach inside your soul, down your throat, into your soul, and rip out your peace. The peace that we no longer have is a peace that we forfeited to a crisis, to traffic, to meanness, to unkindness, whatever it might be. So any void of peace that you might possess today is not the result of someone else. You can't blame it on someone else. Or you can, you can try, but it's not true. So any lack of peace that you have is because you have forfeited that peace and given it away. Now let's look at Isaiah chapter 32. Verse 16, justice will dwell in the desert, and righteousness live in the fertile field. The fruit of righteousness will be peace. So we know that we're the righteousness of God through Christ. Therefore, if we're the righteousness of God through Christ, the result of that righteousness will be a fruit called peace. We know that that, that 
peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, according to Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Peace is third on that list. So peace is not something that is the result of circumstances gone right in our lives or other people treating us right. But peace is the result of staying connected to Christ. Not disconnecting because of traffic, not disconnecting because of hatefulness, not disconnecting because of fear, but staying in Christ. That's all it takes, staying in Christ. The problem is that we start looking at all the things going on in the world around us. We listen to the news repeatedly. We have fears and concerns that, you know, CNN and Fox and all the other news networks, CNBC, we hear all the negativity. But the reality is that in this world, Nothing is going to happen that will surprise God. Therefore, nothing should happen that surprises us or concerns us. Our faith is in Him. Our confidence is in Him. And it goes on to say this. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in peaceful dwellings, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Pharmaceutical world is probably going stronger than it's ever gone in our world. More revenue coming through that particular area of our world than ever before. As a result of people forfeiting their peace, downsizing, layoffs, economy, you know, groceries, utility bills, all of these. I could just go on and on. And as I go on and on, you'll feel your blood pressure rising. And a lot of the blood pressure that we have, the high blood pressure in the world, is a result of wrong thinking. And we start thinking wrong when we get disconnected from the Son of God, who is the righteous Son of God, and we're the righteousness of God in Him. So we have to remain in Him to maintain the peace from Him that we all desire and to be able to enjoy the life in which we live. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I started this, The Enemies of Peace, and I talked about the first enemy of peace being greed. Greed means simply this, that we are so self-absorbed and self-centered that everything that we do is connected to how it benefits us or affects us. That's really what greed is. So I'm going to give something, uh, but I expect something in return. Well, when you give on behalf of God or to something that God is doing, He did promise, I will give back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. But God loves a cheerful giver, so the way to kill greed is to be a cheerful giver. And you do it regardless of whether or not you get anything in return. You do it because you know out of you're doing it out of obedience to God, and it produces this incredible feeling in us that we're doing something in alignment with God. So greed will keep you from possessing peace in your life, holding on to things that God's told you to let go of over and over again. And some people say, well, I don't want to enable other people uh, because, I mean, they need to get out and work. They, need to, they do need to work. But the reality is you're not the one responsible for what they do. You're responsible for what you do. You see a homeless person on the corner, you can pull up and ask them all day long, what do you do? It doesn't matter. If God told you to give, you give. Five people are excited about that. No, I just am saying you guys know how I feel about judging other people by where they are or what they're wearing. We are not called to judge whether or not we should give to somebody. That's God's responsibility. Our job is to give if he says give and squash it. And it may not be about them at all. It may be about you. 
God's saying they need it, but you need it worse because you've been holding on and disobeying, and I want you to be obedient. How many times do we wrestle with God when God says do something? And the reason we do is it's a spirit of greed. It's not just about money. It's about holding on to love and kind words and being greedy. And, and what's it going to benefit me? That's the question we have to address when we're wanting to overcome greed and possess a peace that passes all understanding. Second thing is ambition. Ambition means I'm going to go out and I'm going to make everything happen for me. Diligence is different. The Bible says the hand of the diligent shall rule. We should be diligent, but not ambitious. Ambition means I'm doing everything for my own gain. Diligence means I'm doing everything God's told me to do. So ambitious people, they say, well, you know, man, I, I want to I make this much money. I want to do that. Look, why do you want to make that kind of money? Be diligent to do what God's called you to do and use your gift. But the reality is that once you possess whatever it is you're ambitious about, then you have to say, God, here it is. But God was never involved in what you produce. So now, what are the chances of you saying that? So ambition would be like me saying, hey, I want to build another great church. I don't really want to build another great church. I want to glorify God. I want to be diligent to obey God to do what God's called me to do here. I've had ambition before, and I had it all laid out. But now, I'm just excited that every day I get to get up and obey God. I get to be diligent about His business and be up and about the Father's business. And, you know, it, it, we, just, we just crush, we crush chaos in our lives and we apprehend or take hold of a peace by taking hold of Christ and staying in Him. And not letting what somebody says about you, not letting all these drivers, I mean, if you don't, I mean, when you go, I, I can't even go near Quail Springs anymore. It's like it's like the devil moves hell right up to that. It's it's just crazy, you know. People going out and and, and I'm, I'm glad they're shopping. I'm glad our economy is doing well. I'm glad we still have Red Bull. Oh, that's holy. So what happens is we we get we get ambitious. We get in a hurry. We get in a rush. It steals our peace. Envy, wanting what somebody else has. Not being thankful for what you have. Now, this is going to, I'm going to get right into your family, into your living room right here, right now. <laughs> you really don't want me to. You just, you're just mad at your wife and hoping I hit the target. That's what this is all about. See, this is what the pastor said. I told you I was right. In a, in a world that's always looking outside and looking what everybody else has, we lose sight of what we have and who we have in our lives. And uh, we become unappreciative of the people that God has put in our lives. Take them for granted. Instead of looking at them every day, tell them how wonderful they are. You say, well, they haven't done anything. It doesn't matter if they do a thing. They're the apple of God's eye. They're created as image and his likeness. You don't love somebody because of what they do. You love somebody because of who they are. God didn't love you and me because we were so good. God loved us because he made us. We are his. We belong to him. And so when we start looking outside that and, and we become ungrateful, start commenting about the good things in people's lives. And when you do, the things that annoy you will gradually fade. You'll forget about them because you're not focusing on them. Not a lot of amens here. Can I get an amen? Cyber amen. Cyber amen. Thank you. 
No, listen, this will save your life and save your kids and save your family and save your marriage. Just begin to look. And, and your, your kids are going to do about 100,000 things wrong during the day. Talk about the five things they did right. Like, hey, you know what? You woke up this morning. Great job. <laughs> so proud of you for waking up. You know, you could have slept all day, but you didn't. I know it's noon, but it's not 1 o'clock. So glad you woke up today. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you so much. You're incredible. I love your new hairdo. How did you do that in the middle of the night? I mean, it's just, it's, it's so, so incredible. You, you look so awesome. And we laugh, but the reality is what would happen if you did that? Well, I'm so thankful you're my kid. I'm so thankful you're my spouse. And I, you just look so beautiful. You say, well, that's not lying. No, it's not because in, through the filter of God, the eyes of God, everyone's beautiful. And, and, I mean, we just have to see things and stay connected to the righteousness of God. And, and then the righteousness of God will flow out of our lives. And we'll have peace that passes understanding because we're not looking at all the things people aren't doing. We're looking at the things they are doing. Because we all fail. We all come up short. We all wish we could be more and do more. And, 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 and we look around and say, why don't you just start doing the things that you wish they would do? I know this is not how baby boomers were raised. We changed our behavior because of behavior modification. It was called a leather strap. The Board of Education. Our hearts were not transformed. Our behavior was modified. Now, I'm not suggesting that necessarily there's anything wrong with discipline. Oh, here come emails. But I am suggesting this, that love never fails. If you really love someone, what will you do? You'll cover the deficiencies. If your spouse can't cook, step in the kitchen and learn how to help. Quit complaining. I really wanted to use the B word. But um, just keeping it real. Stop complaining. Step in the kitchen and learn to cook with them. Well, that's not how my mama and daddy did it. Yeah, silently, your mom and daddy were miserable. There just weren't a lot of good lawyers back then. <laughs> what I realized is peace is invaluable. The Bible's full of scriptures that talk about peace. If our ways are pleasing to God, he said, I'll even make your enemies live at peace with you. God knows the value of peace. That's why the fruit of righteousness is peace. That's why the fruit... Of the Holy Spirit is peace. It's because God knew that in a world filled with chaos and hate and anger. That it would cause us to not only have emotional issues but physical issues. That your body, your immune system is connected to your ability to have peace. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. So we're going to go to... Uh, See, I can find this. I have all these notes from weeks past that I, I didn't get to last week. We're going to talk first about anger. Not that any of you have anger issues in here. 
9.30, we were filled with them. We had a deliverance service. <laughs> they're not going to get mad at me now, even if they're watching online, because they got delivered from it. Anyway, so we have greed, ambition, envy, anger. Anger is a secondary emotion. And the reason that we get angry, because especially as men, because it's, it's a... It's a it, it looks like, you know, men don't hurt. We, you know, we don't eat quiche, those kinds of things. We, we don't cry. Uh, and so we're taught that when we're fearful, that just to get mad, fear is a primary emotion. Anger is a secondary emotion that may be the result of insecurity or fear or worry that we get mad at somebody. When we're really not mad at them, we might get hurt by them. We might be fearful of losing them. I remember when Joseph was uh, just a little boy, my fourth child, we were selling one of our houses, and, and he, Joseph was just Joseph. He's, what can I say? Everybody, every family's got one. You know, just a fun kid that just didn't have a lot of anticipation. <laughs> you know, life was just take it as it comes, and he ran right into that real estate sign, split his eye. And, and you know, I was afraid it hurt him, but I got mad that he hit it because it was pretty obvious it was a real estate sign. It was metal. We all saw that, but Joseph, and... Uh, And I was mad at him for hitting it, but how many of you know, I really wasn't mad at him. It hurt me because my son got hurt. I was afraid that it was going to do damage to him. And he ended up kind of okay. I'm not sure what kind of impact that sign had on him, but I, I'm seeing some residual effects. Anyway, so. <clears throat> so anyway, he's now 26 and somewhat employed. Um, that means. Somewhat employed means that 85 to 90% of their income they produce. The other 10% is, hey, Dad, how you doing? The next line is, can I borrow money? And, but, you know, they're they smart. They butter it up a little bit. So anyway, the Bible says, for man's anger does not achieve the righteousness of God. So get this. What comes out of righteousness? What fruit? Peace. So... The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So anger, <clears throat> anger interferes with righteousness, which is supposed to produce peace. So if we try to modify our behavior, we've missed the point. Well, I've been told don't get mad. Don't lose your temper. I get all that. But, but the reality is you'll live a miserable life. You'll, you'll hold anger in, and then one day you'll blow up. The idea is to stay connected to Jesus, stay connected to righteousness, and then the fruit of that will be peace. So you won't get mad anymore. I, I used to have an issue with this. I'm just being honest with you. Uh, I'm a type A personality. On any given day, I could be a triple A. And, and so as a result of that is I had a lot of good things to say, and there were a lot of things that I had to say that were right. But how many of you know people don't hear what you have to say if it comes through the filter of anger, even if it's right? That's how come when you get mad at your kid and you yell at him, you may be right about what you're saying. Let's just go from here. Nothing good happens after midnight when you're a teenager. If you're over 50, nothing good happens after 9 p.m. <laughs> but there are two ways to say that. You idiot! Nothing good happens after midnight. They don't hear it for sure. Because you say, you know what, son? Love you so much. And after midnight, there aren't that many wise people out there like you. Full of just wisdom and knowledge and wanting to do the right thing. There aren't that many out there like you, son. 
you know, I, I, I know you'd like to change them, but after midnight, they don't want to change. So why don't you just show up at home? It works, trust me. Ephesians 4.26 says, When angry, do not sin. This is an interesting verse. When angry, do not sin. It's an interesting thought. So, can I sin when I'm not angry? It's just a thought. When angry, do not sin. Why? Because anger creates this exponential problem exacerbates everything that's that's going on in that moment makes it worse when angry do not sin let your wrath this is the amplified or do not let your wrath your exasperation your fury your indignation last until the sun goes down anger will grow if you're sleeping eight hours everything's not going to be all right in the morning you may think it's going to be all right in the morning but whoever you flared up on that's in their soul that night. And they'll wake up in the morning and there'll be no peace. And if that continues without going unaddressed, there will be less and less peace in your life and your home. This is the reason that we are to love one another, to speak kindly to one another, to be respectful of one another. Instead of requiring things of one another, respect one another. Allow others to have an opinion that's different than yours. Let those things go. Don't hold on to them. Don't go to bed angry knowing in the morning you're waiting on somebody to wake up and say, I'm sorry. Go ahead and say it before you go to bed. Make things right ahead of time, and you'll sleep with peace. People say, I, I just can't get any sleep. Or oftentimes, people who have lived their life with bitterness and unforgiveness and anger as a result of anger, and, and they don't rest well. People say, I don't ever sleep. I don't sleep well. I can promise you, you can try all the sleep aids in the world, but the number one sleep aid is the righteousness of God in operation in your life. Just being able to lay your head down at night and go, God, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not angry with anyone. I'm not going to express anger toward anyone. You are not responsible for how other people feel, and other people are not responsible for how you feel. If you look at somebody and say, you make me so mad, that is such a wrong statement because they cannot make you mad. You can choose to be mad as a result of their behavior, but they can't make, they can't like stuff something down your throat and go, now, okay, I'm going to make you mad. No, you're choosing to be angry as a result of their behavior. Nobody can do that. If somebody makes you mad, that means that you have removed the Holy Spirit from your heart and allowed someone to sit on the throne of your heart. If someone can make you angry, you have removed God from that equation and disconnected from righteousness, which will disconnect you from peace. I know we have some people in here that get mad. Some of you, if I went to 1230, I'd know about it. You'd be mad. I should probably do that today and see how much peace we have. You might hold it in in here, but when you get to lunch, you'll have roast pasta for lunch. We get mad. We get mad at things that we shouldn't get mad at. Quite frankly, there are very few things that we should really, truly get angry about. Just so you'll know. Some of you are angry that I'm telling you we shouldn't get angry. No, I'm not. 
Remember when Moses was instructed by God, he's leading the children of Israel out, and God's going to bring water from the rock. Moses gets angry and strikes the rock. Remember that story? Guess what? We know Moses was okay with God because he shows up on the Mount of Transfiguration that Moses is good with God. But guess what he doesn't get to do? He doesn't get to go in the land of promise because of that situation. He gets to see it, but Joshua gets to lead Israel in. Why? Because the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So we have to guard against anger. Robs us of our peace. Listen to this. A leading psychiatrist feels that anger is the greatest single problem in life. Now, some of y'all, you don't have outbursts of anger. You have inbursts of anger. You make people pay silently. <laughs> Women, you're really good at this. <laughs> and you, sir, are in trouble. Men are so demonstrative, it's called testosterone. But you married women. I'm not mad. I'm just not talking. Get over on the onside of your bed. No, I'm not mad. I'm really not mad, honey. What's for breakfast? Nothing. I love you, too. So, not everybody, anger has its way, sometimes it comes out in intimidation, other times manipulation. So, we have to be very aware that it's not just the decibels, but, but there may be pent up anger in you from, from the past, from your childhood, you're angry at your parents, whatever. But listen to this, in 15 minutes of anger, one can use up as much energy as an entire day of hard work. Scientifically, this affects your body, your physical well-being. If you don't sleep well, you won't think well. If you don't sleep well, your emotions will be frazzled. You'll be tempted to get angry at, at the snap, just, it, just quickly. And really, it was not something even worthy of your time or your anger or your emotion, but you do it because you didn't sleep well. You're not at peace. You don't have peace in your life. And that 15 minutes of anger, think about it, eight hours of hard manual labor, 15 minutes of anger will make you feel that exhausted, according to him. Anger, number two, can, be, can disorder nerves and deposit poison in your blood. Anger in forms such as envy, fear, and hate, these are all primary emotions, can cause disease and death. Now, here's what we do. Rather than being willing to change our emotional condition through our spiritual surrender to God, we medicate. Now, some of you, maybe, there's no condemnation here, but listen to me. All you have to do is watch a commercial on prescription meds. And if you have an upset stomach chronically, they'll give you this pill that will take care of your upset stomach, but you have to take three other pills to counter the side effects. And one of those three, it says at the end of the commercial, may result in death. 
but I don't have a stomachache anymore. Why? You're dead. And some of that is caused by having anger pent up that you're not even aware of. I've counseled more people in the last 30 to 40 years of ministry. I'm mad at my mama, my daddy. They never came to the never dad. And, 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 and the list goes on of being angry, and but never addressing it, thinking it was wrong. But just held on to the anger and suppressed it. And all the while we have a world filled with people that are dying of disease because they have not addressed these issues. They haven't had a day of peace, a moment of peace in their lives. Sure, it hurts to lose someone we love that passes into eternity. Sure, it's, it's hard in times, difficult times to lose a job. And, and, and then you blame it on the company, get mad at your boss. But that's not the answer to any of this. The minute you get laid off, the minute you lose somebody, address it. Allow that, that pain to be there, but don't get bitter, don't get angry over it. Release that and realize that this is a part of the circle of life and that all these things that are happening, they're happening around us. It's what's happening in us that can handle what's happening around us. And we have to keep the righteousness of God at work and awake in our lives so that we can bear fruit and the fruit of peace. Anger can destroy relationships, can destroy one's spiritual and emotional peace. Next is pride. I don't have pride, therefore you have pride. We all have pride. We just don't allow pride to flourish. I mean, putting on a cowboy hat, seeing a Folsom prison, is a pride killer. There's things in our lives that we have to, we have to address. You know, I, I watch every Sunday, I watch our prayer partners come up here, our prayer team come up here, and one or two people come up. You know why most of you don't come up? It's because you have pride. You're standing back there and you need prayer for something, but you're not about to walk in front of these people and admit, I need prayer. Can I tell you something? I want you all to pray for me every day. I have no pride left. Pray for me. I need prayer every day. Stupid stoops at my doorstep. When I raise my garage door, I look in my backup camera. They're stupid right back there. I need prayer. And here's what I want to tell you. Don't shoot my name up to God in just a wad. Don't just say, God, I'm praying for everybody at Mosaic today. No, I want you to say, Jesus, my pastor, Mark Anthony Crow from Burial, Oklahoma. He needs help, God. <laughs> Serious help. I'm on a mission, God, to pray for Pastor Mark Anthony Crow from Burial, Oklahoma. Born December 3rd, 19... I am no longer afraid to ask for prayer. I am no longer afraid. You know, I, 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 when I got saved, I, I didn't really. Church people freaked me out, man. They, they just freaked me out. Back in the day, you know, anybody that, that used like, like any man that used like Vaseline oil on his hair, it's just greasy, man. And that, that all church people, and once you got saved, you had to use Vaseline oil on your hair to go to church. It was like a requirement. They added at the front entrance of the door. Here's Vaseline. If you don't have any on your hair, then. I had a big old fro, too, man. I did. I had curly hair. I did. It was like down to here. But I walked into the church. They were scared to death. They didn't have enough Vaseline oil for me. 
then they, I got, I got saved. <laughs> it was a miracle, man. I was bound a bunch of rednecks, and I, I looked like Peter Frampton. <laughs> and when I went to the altar, they, they didn't know whether to send somebody to pray with me or just stand back and say, whoever that boy is, help him. He don't have enough Vaseline hair on, on his hair. Then they called me Brother Mark after I got born again. Brother Mark. I've been called a lot of things, but not Brother Mark. It was embarrassing, actually. I wouldn't bring him to church. They called me Brother Mark. Your sister so-and-so, and, you know. I was like, yeah, can we just go with Mark? My mama didn't name me Brother Mark. She named me Mark. Not my first name. It's not my middle name. My name's Mark. It, it just didn't work for me, you know, because I, and, and then I, I was watching everybody, you know, this, I went to them. You know, when you get saved, man, get saved in Baptist church and then work up from there. <laughs> there ain't going to be nobody lifting their hands or, you know, praying another language or anything. You're, what? The guy behind you. Da, 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 da. You're, what? <laughs> no, man, I, I, went, I went from total heathen to chandeliers. <laughs> It's a whoop. It was a wild time. And I, they'd, be, you know, they'd be lifting their hands and everything. I'm like, man, I, what's this all about, you know? And, and, but there's pride, you know? I mean, I, mean, I mean, all you have to do is watch college football. And, 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 and I'm just going to call it what it is. Watch, you know, fat men paint zeros on their bellies, you know? I, I wish one of them put a black dot there sometime. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, we do things at college football games we won't do in church. You know, you go crazy. Well, I'm, just not, I'm not the expressive type. You know, you come to church. I, I just, I'm not. You're the fat guy yesterday with a zero on your tummy. 32-degree weather. And you're not expressive? Man, I didn't want to lift my hands. I thought y'all fruitcakes, man. They're in there lifting their hands. I'll praise the Lord. And every now and then, they'd even shuffle, you know, the charismatic dance or something, whatever it was. I can't even do it anymore. They had this charismatic shuffle, man. I used to watch people, you know, it's like. That was it, man. And I'm like, you would get kicked out of the bar I just came from. I had to adjust to this culture. And a lot of it was because I had pride. I, you know, I knew God died for me. I was very expressive. I'm outspoken. I'm all of that. But I couldn't lift my hands until one day a doctor said, hey, uh, the arms, I, my arms would go numb. I couldn't even drive. They'd go down, numb from here. To, and I got hurt playing football. And, and I'd go get an x-ray. And there's calcium deposits on my spine. And, and I couldn't feel anything. Hey, we're going to have to do surgery on your neck. And, and, and uh, we're going to have you know, how are you going to do that? Said, I'm going to look like Herman Munster. They're going to cut here. And they're going to scrape my spine. How many of you know that's not Merry Christmas? So I go to church the next week, and, and I hear this like voice of God. It's kind of like inside me. I haven't heard it that much. But he said, if you'll raise your hands to me, I won't make them. Uh, they won't have to cut on your neck. <laughs> we worship you. <sighs> A little more, Mark. Almighty God. There is none like you. 
I finally abandoned myself and did it. I thought, it's not so bad. But there were people in the church that didn't use underarm deodorant, and I was asking them not to worship. Anyway, um, <laughs> probably unnecessary, wasn't it? Anyway, uh, but, but our pride keeps us from experiencing God. We have, a, we have this, how much do you want from God? I want everything from God. But when I got born again, I had a base model relationship with Jesus. You know, it'd be like renting a car. You know, there's no power seats, no power mirrors, AM, FM. You know, the seat doesn't go up and down. You're like at the wheel like this, you know. A lot of people have that kind of relationship with Jesus. Well, you know, I just want to go to heaven. I don't want power seats. Uh, I don't want serious radio, whatever that is. I don't want electronic. No, that, you know, so you're just like, I just want to get from here to there. See, uh, when I really got really, like, radical about God, I said, I want to get from here to there in a Bentley, Maserati, Lamborghini, Ferrari, Mercedes, Demon Hellcat. Some people just want to go to heaven. No, I don't. I want to be going so fast when I get to the gates. Peter just jumps out of the way. Comes crow! Those people really did pray for Mark Anthony Crow from Barry Hill, Oklahoma. He's coming fast. He's in a Hellcat. What do we do, Jesus? Can the Hellcat come in? Let the demon in? Worry. Talk about worry. Some of you are worried about me right now. <laughs> you will pray for me this week, though. I know that after this sermon, God help the boy as he enters 2018. Real quickly, and I'm almost done because I don't want to make anybody angry. You have to go to the doctor and take pills or. I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I'm good. Matthew 6, verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? Because I like them. I didn't even, when I read that, I, I, it just is what it is. I think Jesus is okay with it now if we worry with the right reason. Like we're going to look good. I like clothes. Thank you. See how the lilies of the field grow? I, some of Jesus' illustrations freak me out. The lilies of the field. We don't have any of those today, Jesus. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which has is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or what shall I wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's that word again. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, knowing that righteousness is what produces peace. So seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. 
So he said, I'll bring you the clothes, I'll bring you the food, I'll bring you everything else. But first, I want you to seek my kingdom and my righteousness. Because inside of those things is everything else you'll ever need. We perform for God. We worry about things that may never come to pass. We have today. Worry is, is something that we all will contend with in our lives. So number one, I want to just give you a few things and we'll be done here. Cultivate an awareness of God's presence. Cultivate an awareness of God's presence. Well, how do you do that? There are times when I get up in the morning that, that I would tell you that this is a form of prayer. Some of you would argue, but I had a friend years ago that we were going through kind of early ministry things together. And he would do this thing called practicing the presence of God. When you come to church, you're practicing the presence. You're not just here to hear the word and worship, but to be in the presence of God. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. So if you're looking, if you're looking for joy in your life, it's not about how you pray always. It's not about what you say. It's about creating a, or cultivating a culture of, of God's presence. Just saying, sometimes I'll sit in my prayer chair and I won't pray. I go to my office, I sit there, and there are mornings, I, there's just, I just don't pray. I just say, God, I'm, I'm just going to sit in your presence. And in his presence, God starts downloading stuff. He'll just start downloading stuff. I mean, how do you think I get all these sermons? I mean, I don't, I'm not going to blame them all on God, but... <laughs> but it's just sitting there, and sometimes God will just, just start speaking to me. Not like audible, but I have these thoughts, and these thoughts begin to they, they just unfold, and, they, and they'll do, God will do that for you. And, and your, your thought life, just God, I'm just giving my mind and my, my heart to you right now. So just practice the presence. Uh, condition yourself to relax. So I'm, I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to think about all that I have to do, all that needs to be done. I'm just going to relax. Number three, determine to obey God once you hear God. Determine to obey God once you hear God. Why would God speak to us if we weren't going to obey him? Well, he will anyway because that's just who God is. But he downloads to us all the time and we miss it because we live, we're not at peace. Peace is a great open door and avenue to hearing the voice of God and trusting God to do what he's asked you to do. Peace. Connected to righteousness. Seek first. doesn't say pray first. It says seek first. Now, I believe in prayer with everything in me. Because I just asked you to pray for Mark Anthony Crow from Berry Hill High School in Oklahoma. 12-3-19. Live one day at a time. Replace worry with specific prayer. Listen to soothing worship music. And listen, I love all kinds of music. And some people, when I got born again, we did album burnings. You remember those days if you were young and radical, you burned albums? <laughs> sure wish I had some of those back. <laughs> I don't think it means because I backslidden. I just, they weren't that bad. They, some of them had a message. Especially in the 70s. This stuff you're listening to now, they're just trying to rhyme. Back in my day, the music told stories of love and David Gates and Bread. I don't think they would name the group that if, if they had the chance to do it again. Who names a band Bread? I guess it's biblical, connected to yeast. I'm not sure. Talk through your problems, get help from others, get prayer from others. 
Don't be angry. Don't be prideful. And don't worry. It's not about your performance. It's about trusting God and his performance through his son on the cross. With the righteousness of God in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. I pray, Lord, today that those who have yet to accept who you are and what you did on the cross would do so today. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Those of you that would say, I have not accepted Christ. I'm not the righteousness of God in Christ. And pride will keep us from admitting that we are sinners and we need a Savior. I tried it for years by myself. I was so embarrassed to think that I was such a horrible human being, come to find out I wasn't, I was just a human being, that I didn't want to admit that I couldn't make it on my own. I didn't want to admit that, that life had beat me around, beat me up, and I, I didn't want to admit that. And then when I came to the end of my rope and there was just nowhere else to go, sad enough, I said, God, I, I knew people had been praying for me and I needed to say yes to him. But my pride kept trying to prevent that. Now I see why. Maybe you're that person. You're a good person. You're a nice person. But there are some really sweet people who don't want to admit they need God. And if you're one of those, I, I get it. We've all probably been there at one point or the other. But if you say, Pastor, pray for me. Uh, I really, really want, today want to make things right with God. I want to ask you to slip your hand up and put it right back down. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, that's me. I really want to make things right. And we want to pray with you. And we're going to do that right now. Let's all pray this together. Say, Father God, I'm so thankful that you sent your only son to die on the cross for me. Jesus, today, I repent of my sin. I call on your name. I need a Savior, and you're that Savior. So today, I surrender to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.